0: you look at sam as your starting quarterback
1: sam is our starting quarterback yes one minute 37
2: seconds later you
1: know one of the things i've been working on is being better talking to you people so you know announcing the starting quarterback here i just put my foot in the mouth so I, that wasn't something i should have said Hooray! let's go
3: the four o'clock
1: football frenzy <laughs> on cofield and company company
0: that guy was a coach in new york go figure huh we always talk about, it, or at least I do, when you're hiring in some of these bigger markets where there's 500 media people. Guys like Ben McAdoo probably not going to work out if you can't do uh, one of the smaller part of your jobs. And he's still, uh, at least he joked there about being definitive about one Sam Darnold being the quarterback of the Panthers. There's a long way to go on that one. We'll get to the football frenzy, all the news and notes of the day here in just a second. But Willie, very important. We talked about a story yesterday, a tragic story with one of our. High school prep, uh, soon to be college star, as long as she gets through this um, relatively quickly. But what's the latest update on uh, Aliyah Gales?
3: So, Dwight Gales, her father tweeted out, you know, um, obviously very spiritual tweet God is good. Prayers have been answered. looks like the third surgery that we talked about it was she was going through while we were on there yesterday was successful. They're expecting at some point a full recovery. Um, and I would imagine that means that she'll be able to walk again. Um, I got a call today as I was headed to uh, Golden Knights practice from her high school coach, Billy Hemberger. He was updating me to let me know that he was on the way to the hospital to see her, but he had said his words, my heart is full because she Facetime me. And outside of being in a hospital bed, you would never think that she had just went through what she went through because she was in good spirits. Flit, her face, you know, wasn't flushed, you know, just good, you know, smile, upright, shiny, you know, complexion. Nothing didn't look like she was ill or in a hospital bed and um, very positive, very upbeat. And, you know, it's going to take some time, obviously, to rehab. There's no guarantee about um, playing basketball again. But um, I would imagine that USC, no matter what happens, will stand by her. I would think they have to do the right thing, and she will still get a degree and walk out of that school with with a degree at some point. Um, I was looking at the um, the GoFundMe, which we retreated yesterday. And some heavy hitters have really stepped up to to help contribute to – Help with some bills, help with some uh, meals down the road, whatever needs to be done, Um, including some Las Vegas aces, some local politicians, some business owners, a lot of recognizable names. I'm not going to sit here and throw them out on air if you want to go look at that, you know, look at the GoFundMe, but um, it's nice to see. Got a lot of support and they're raising some funds. So I will retweet it once again. Check it out. Aaliyah Gales doing great, which is great news because this is, I mean, she is just a really good kid. She would have been a great ambassador for women's basketball and Southern Nevada athletes all around. <laughs>
0: So Dick Vitale, out of a hospital bed, he's been battling cancer for a long time. He comes out throwing punches, haymakers, not happy about the transfer portal. Dickie V tweeted out, pathetic what the transfer portal is doing to college sports, how this chaos and cheating uh, going on, great lessons for young people to develop values needed for the game of life. Quitting slash lack of loyalty is what uh, is happening, traits that destroy people as they face the real world Listen, um, everyone's entitled to kind of look at this from the outside. Dickie V's not completely wrong, but he's wrong on a lot of fronts here, Willie. Um, Coaches quit on kids often. Kids deserve to get a chance to go somewhere else and get a fresh start. The system that has now been built has upperclassmen taking the spots of freshmen getting scholarships. So now we've set up a system here where freshmen, you know, go to school. Sometimes they're not getting the opportunity they would have gotten five, 10 years ago. They get to move up. There's some upper mobility. Kids actually have the chance to make some change here. And I think it's teaching coaches that you can't just be a bully and you don't have a player pinned down. You have to be working all the time. You've got to work on your interpersonal skills and your your coaching skills. So, I understand Dick Vitale's all pissed because he's getting some stories about players being stolen off of certain rosters. And, yes, are there players being paid to come out of the transfer portal to the highest bidder? Of course there are. But there are many more who are not, who just want a fresh start somewhere else. Players should be afforded the same opportunity that coaches have. Coaches get to move, whether they're assistants or head coaches, to spots that they desire. Players should not be locked into a commitment they made to a different coaching staff, or a different set of circumstances.
3: Yeah, when this came over, the immediate thing I thought of was, okay, I can run with it, I'll go with you, I'll agree with you, Dickie V. Then you got to hold the coaches to the same standard. There's no quitting on kids, especially those coaches that go recruiting when the season ends – You don't make it to a bowl game. Let's just say in football, you don't make it to a bowl game. And you immediately start recruiting in December. Oh, and by the end of January, you've taken your dream job. Same in college basketball. End of a season, you didn't make it to the postseason. And you go recruiting, you know, take a couple days off. Next thing you know, suitcases are packed, and you're hitting the road on the recruiting trail, and you land some high-prize recruits, and they put their trust in you, and you sit in that living room with those parents. And you lay it all on the line, and here's what we're going to do for your kid. And we're going to take care of him. We're going to treat them like our own. Oops, my dream job came calling, and I just have to take this opportunity. Well, these kids have big dreams too. And they may not all have big dreams of playing in the NBA or in the NFL, but they have dreams of taking their skills to the collegiate level to pay for their education to possibly get a degree, and you sold them on you, not just the program, but you mm-hmm. sold them on you yep. and that system. So they got to be held to the same standards.
0: And right now, there's about 1,300 players in the transfer portal for men's college basketball. Uh, my guess is that a good 15% were given a gentle nudge to get out. So that's the other thing that's never covered. You know, kids are often told, hey, you know what, it's not going to work out here. So we sold you on this, but it's not going to work out here. You may want to go find. Somewhere else, and I'll you know I'll I'll tell you about the football end of things at least with regard to UNLV football. I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago. It's a chance that if you don't get noticed out of high school and you land at a say a JUCO or more likely a Division two, a Division three, an NAI, whatever, right? That you have a chance to go play football at a higher level. Uh, UNLV is going to be bringing in a receiver from Colorado State Pueblo. The kid in his final year gets to play a little bigger level of college football. That's cool. Uh, It looks like they got a commitment from another punter in recent days. A Utah defensive back committed last week out of the transfer portal. He wasn't going to get an opportunity at Utah, so now he comes to UNLV. He'll get a chance, possibly somewhere down the road, and I don't know what happened with uh, the Utah State defensive back, cornerback, uh, Cam Lampkin, but he had 13 starts a year ago at Utah State, and... Now he's moved to UNLV where maybe he gets a, a chance to be happier. or whatever circumstances were. When he's here, we'll talk to him about it. But there are lots of elements of the transfer portal, uh, mid-level players, small school players. They're now getting opportunities. That is a positive coming out of the transfer portal. <laughs>
2: I think this deal gets done. You have these three receivers from this 2019 class that all want to get paid. They got one year left on their contracts. Debo, AJ Brown, Terry down in Washington. All three want to get paid. And from what I can gather, all three of those teams are open to keeping those guys on their roster and want to pay them. So obviously a trade is always on the table, right? The teams are going to have that option, but they all want to lock these guys up.
1: Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota
3: Studio. Studio.
0: Dan Rossini, ESPN, talking about the new wide receiver market. Christian Kirk kind of setting the floor at 18 mil a year. The ceiling, Tyreek Hill. Las Vegas' own Devontae Adams at like 29 or 30 mil a year. Miles Simmons comes in from Pro Football Talk. Miles, do you believe that in the case of uh, A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin and Debo Samuel that they're all going to get paid, that the teams are going to move forward and you know give them a market rate deal?
2: Uh, I, I think, I, I believe that the teams all want to keep them. Right. Do I believe that all three of them will stay with their teams? No, I, I don't. I mean, I just, just based on the way things have worked with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and, you know, these guys, you know, coming off their first contracts, they they want to see that life-changing money, right? And, you know... <sighs> It's hard for me to be like, yes, we AJ Brown should definitely be one of the highest paid receivers in the league. You know, I mean, he's been great. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a really good receiver, but I don't think the production that he's had, you know, makes me feel like, oh, yeah, he's worth Devontae Adams money. And I I would say the same for Terry McLaurin. Debo Samuel is so interesting because of the role that he plays. For San Francisco right I mean in being the running back and the wide receiver there aren't too many guys that do that but I think in some ways it almost I mean I know it makes him more valuable but it also makes him a little bit less valuable because how long can you really play playing like that you, you can't mm. do that for very long so I don't know I mean that that also means that Debo Samuel needs to get his money now because he's not going to be able to get it that much farther in the future if he continues to play two positions he's it would behoove him to just play wide receiver it doesn't move the 49ers to do that but i think for his long-term career prospects it would be better for him to do that
0: but you are right someone eventually is going to put their foot down and say i'm sorry christian kirk got a ridiculous deal at 18 mil a year but we can't do that
2: yes yeah absolutely and you know i mean that's If it takes free agency to do that next year, if some of these guys don't get paid and, you know, if they really the problem with these dudes is they don't have the leverage that they think they do. Right. Because all they can do is hold out their services for the voluntary offseason program. And then because things get extremely expensive if you start to skip training camp. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're talking about guys who were picked in the second round or later where your contracts are not as extravagant as so like Baker Mayfield, for instance, is going to make 18.8 mil on his fifth year option. That's not what they're making from the second round, the third round, the fourth round on. And that's what we're talking about with McLaurin's, the Samuels and um, the AJ Browns of the world. So, I mean, like, they can be like, oh, I'm mad. I'm taking these things off of my Twitter profile and da 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 But the the reality of the CBA is that the teams have all of the leverage here. So, eventually, you can be like, I'm not going to play. And they're going to be like, all right, fine. Here are these fines. And you're going to have to pay them because we can't wipe them out anymore. So, what? It, it's it, – this is not like – I'm not saying that the players shouldn't want to get – as much money as they can whenever they can get it. I'm I'm totally in favor of that. But the reality is they don't have that much leverage.
3: Well, speaking of Baker Mayfield, uh, Deshaun Watson, he's reported for his first offseason program with the Browns. No surprise, Mayfield was not present.
2: Yeah, yeah, not, not a surprise. But honestly, I think it would have been funny if he had been there, you know, just shows <laughs> up and says, deal with me. I'm here and you disrespected me. So now what are you going to do? It would have been interesting. Would have been a fun story. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where Baker Mayfield goes. I don't know when that's going to happen. I feel like, either during the draft or in the aftermath of the draft, once we know where some of these QBs are gonna be that are uh, the incoming rookies, then we'll have a better idea. It, it seems like Carolina is coming into the picture a little bit more, the reporting out of both Carolina and, excuse me, there's no such place as Carolina. The reporting out of Charlotte and Cleveland <laughs> indicates that. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because like Baker Mayfield's another one of those guys that just he doesn't have that much leverage. So we'll see where it goes. Um, But I I tend to think that the Panthers are more of a candidate to trade down from where they are in the top 10 and pick up more assets because their GM, Scott Fitterer, comes from the John Schneider, uh, Seattle Seahawks school of thought, which is grab as many picks as you can. And the Panthers don't have any picks in the second and third rounds of the draft in part because they traded for that crappy quarterback, Sam Darnold. So this is going to be an interesting thing to see. And if, um, uh, Baker Mayfield does end up with the Panthers. They're gonna have the first and third overall picks of the 2018 draft, and they're gonna and both are making 18.8 million for 2022. <laughs> I think that's fun.
0: It is fun. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Seattle will be another team you look at, and you're like, wait, this is the quarterback situation. So, Geno Smith is back. Drew Locke, Jacob Eason, Pete Carroll's really gonna go with this for this coming season at quarterback.
2: I mean, I think that I mean they're like the Panthers in that we have to see if they're going to take a rookie or not. And, you know, it's kind of like what they did back in 2012, where they're we're all like they're really going to go into the season with Matt freaking Flynn at quarterback. And then Russell Wilson comes in and he wins the job and he sets the world on fire in his rookie year. So, I mean, maybe they're hoping that lightning can strike twice. Lightning doesn't usually strike twice in the same place, but maybe that's what they're thinking they can do. So I don't know. I mean, I. Baker Mayfield certainly could go to Seattle. He seems to think that that's where he's going to go, if you believe what he was saying on that podcast that got released last week. So we'll see. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if I'm Seattle and I've got San Francisco in my division and Arizona in my division and the Rams in my division, I, I don't know how I can be that competitive with Drew Locke and Geno Smith and Jacob Easton as my QBs.
0: Miles Simmons. Pro Football Talk is up with Cofield and Company uh, helps us out every Tuesday with a spot. All right, let's continue on the uh, quarterback storyline. A good ESPN.com story by Brooke Pryor, excellent writer. Um, Header is why the Steelers hold firm to draft and develop strategy despite what's going on around the National Football League. I'm here to tell everyone I don't know that the Steelers can stick with the draft and develop when it comes to quarterback. Can they be patient? With this position, and not start looking to move at some point in this draft or the uh, coming drafts to get a real quarterback. Well,
2: I, I mean, I think that uh, they probably explored a trade for Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Okay, I mean, like I, I would be shocked if they didn't explore those possibilities. Um, but I, I think it also needs to be kind of a special guy, right? Like what. Are they really going to get somebody who can compete with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and assuming he's going to be playing a lot, Deshaun Watson, if they go get say Jimmy Garoppolo. Does that make them that much better? I don't know. I mean, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo led um helped lead, and let's call it that, the 49ers to the Super Bowl in, in 19 and you know they made it to um the NFC Championship game in this past season. So, I mean, if you get the right guy, then yeah, you can draft and develop him, right? I mean, that, that's what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. They got Lamar Jackson at the bottom of the first round, mm-hmm. sat him for a little bit, and then boom, he comes in and he sets the world on fire. So maybe they're able to do that with Malik Willis. I don't know. Do you think, but, by
0: the way, do you think Willis is getting to the Steelers?
2: I have no idea. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, this draft is so weird because, you know, the last few years, we've really kind of known at least the first couple of picks and who they're going to be. I mean, you know that Ekiu um i just probably butchered his last name, is going to be one of the top two or three. Aiden Hutchinson also going to be one of the top two probably. But, like, beyond that, I mean, who knows? It, Kenny Pickett, I mean, how, what really is his ceiling? Right, at least Malik Willis seems to have a higher ceiling to me. So maybe he doesn't get to the Steelers, but he's not some—he's somebody that you're gonna have to let marinate for a little bit and and get to know the league because he's playing at Liberty and, and I don't know. So I just and I know he transferred from Auburn, but like the I just I'm not sure what this draft is gonna look like, and I, I it, it's just one of these odd drafts. I mean, Peter King was saying the other day in his column that he thinks that this could be one of the first drafts in years and years and years. That no player who regularly touches the football, so we're talking about a QB or a skill position player, will be drafted in the first 10 picks. I don't believe that. I think that some team is desperate enough to go up and get a quarterback at some point, whether it's the Falcons, maybe it's the Panthers. Somebody's going to trade maybe with the Jets or Giants because they both have two picks in the top 10. I don't know what it's going to be. But I think somebody's going to be chosen in the top ten. But like that just shows the nature of how weird this draft is, and how nobody really knows the way this thing's going to play out.
0: I, I would take that bet against Peter King.
3: Yeah, me too. So Miles, I, I know you're entrenched in NFL draft stuff and I'm not sure if you know you how much hockey you pay attention to. But probably pretty... less than you no, think. It, no, 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 I
0: think we've it, seen it that it before prob- when asking Miles about hockey, but go ahead. Yeah,
2: probably pro- hockey not, is not at all too. Yeah. I so, probably
3: uh, it, it got very boring between periods last night, and the topic of conversation with us up there uh-oh, was uh-oh. Apple likely the landing spot go. for the Sunday ticket. And boy was that a conversation in between the second and third periods by many of us.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I'm. I mean, I don't know if you guys have watched the Apple presentation that they've had of um, the baseball games in the last couple of day, weeks that it's been on. I mean, it's been okay. I mean the the good thing is that like Apple's not gonna be asked to produce, you know, NFL games. That's for C B S and NB excuse me and um Fox and then they just, you know, televise them to the rest of us. I, my whole thing is how much is that gonna cost? And how are they gonna split these things, right? Is there gonna be like packages? Do you have an AFC package or an NFC package or an, a divisional package or just a team package? I, mean, I don't know what they're going what that's gonna look like for Apple and you know, what that means for streaming. Miles, and let, me, everything. let me break
0: in. What did- do you think they need to
2: split it up? I don't know. I mean, I don't personally. I mean, I don't I like either. Having all the games, I don't.
0: I don't either. But I, I, don't did, I did see a lot of people commenting on your PFT story on Apple. You know, taking over from Directv with Sunday Ticket. A lot of people were like, "Hey, I just want to buy my games. I don't want the whole league." And the first thing I think of is myself going back five years where I was like, a la carte, that's where it's all going to be at. And now I'm like, Eh, hey, it's $500 for TV. That was stupid on my part. So you know what? I just give us the package for one price. Don't start splitting it up, please. Apple.
2: I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think that that's something that they could explore. Um, but I mean, is it going to cost less for Apple TV plus subscribers? That's another thing I'd like to know. Cause I'm one of those. Now I like the things that they've got on there. Ted Lasso was a little disappointed by the second season, but they've got some good stuff, you know. So we'll see, I guess. But yeah, it was, I. It's better for um, the NFL to go with a streaming service rather than like a satellite service that happens to do streaming as TV is now. Right. Um, so, And TV is moving into being more of a streaming service anyway. So we'll see how it goes. But I think that's why they're leaning toward Apple because of the infrastructure that Apple has with streaming.
0: I feel like there's some massive downside to Apple taking over Sunday ticket, but I haven't seen it. I haven't come up with it. I expect Florio will.
2: I'm sure that he will. Right? He uh, always
0: he always I, does. We this is where we need Mike to be, you know, screaming and running around the room with his hair on fire about the change.
2: I will absolutely pass that along to him because I'm sure he would love to hear that. He's oh, he's a worst case yes, scenario yes. guy. Yes. I, brought I, yes. No, yes. I, mean, I brought that up with him on the air. Yes, no, yes. And I brought that up with him on the air because he was trying to talk about how <laughs> um, I don't even remember what it was. it was. Oh, it was some quarterback. Oh, it was the Derek Carr contract. And he's like, oh, well. Wow. There's an out in the contract, and that's how they're setting it up so they can get rid of Derek Carr if he's an absolute disaster. I'm like, who is gonna like who's projecting Derek Carr to be an absolute disaster? Like that, that's not something that he's ever Ooh. been. I mean, you can say that Derek Carr has been above average, below average, just average, but Derek Carr has never in his career been an absolute disaster. Unless maybe you want to go that's back right. into 2014 and say the 52- to nothing game that he had uh, against the then St. Louis Rams. That was an absolute disaster. Disaster, but that wasn't really his fault. So, would I mean, you go, Other than that,
0: Miles, would you go? Yes. The Raiders move on from Derek Carr after this season minus seven fifty. So you got to no. put up seven fifty to win. A, it's it's a long shot. You don't I'm think it can the, happen?
2: No, because you don't trade for Devontae Adams if you don't if you think that Derek Carr is going to be an abject disaster. And and frankly, like I think, like Derek Carr has grown enough. Into the kind of player where he's he's consistent enough. Like he, I, I would rate him above Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, maybe a little bit below Matthew mm. Stafford. He's in that range. He's that tier of QB. Those guys aren't usually abject disasters, right? Like that's just not. He's been in this league too long. So i no, you don't trade for Devonte Adams and make the investments that they've made in somebody like Derek Carr if you think that he's gonna be a disaster and that he's gonna they're gonna move on from within a year. I'll eat my words if I'm wrong, but I don't see it happen.
0: By the way, I screwed up the odds. If it's a long shot you're getting plus money, so it'd be like plus five fifty that they would they would move on. Well Willie, you're you glass overflowing guy. You know on this show uh most of us are a little bit leery of Derek Carr and his relationship with coaches. So we're ex- we're expecting there to be a bit of a rocky road if they can't achieve Yum, ice cream. making the playoffs again.
3: Yeah, well, um, but, obviously, but no, yeah. I'm on Miles' side. Wait, real quick. I'm on Miles' side in the fact that we've never really seen where you point the finger at Derek Carr. Two years ago when they first got here, it wasn't Derek Carr's fault down the stretch on defense that gave up some games. Last year, I felt that he did his job in in, 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 a, in a very bad situation. Now he has no excuses because he's got everything he's, he wants.
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, I would say that there were some games in 2019 when I was in Oakland covering the team where it was like, eh, "Derek Derek is really not playing well. Like, they had lost to Kansas City... They got blown out, and I don't remember exactly what the score was. But after that game, I remember Derek Carr talking about how the, he got intercepted by Tyron Matthew. And he's like, yeah, well, I've made that throw to, to Darren Waller over the mill about a million times. And I was talking to Tyron Matthew in the Chiefs locker room, and he was like, yeah, that's film study. And it's kind of like, oh, there's the disconnect there. You know, if you've made a throw that many times, somebody else has seen that on film. And so that's kind of why those things happen, where you get picked off. So, I mean, it's not like... Derek Carr has been the biggest problem with the Raiders. I don't I don't think that that's ever been the case in his tenure since he's been the QB since 2014.
0: Follow him. Miles A Simmons up on Twitter, what's the uh, NFL draft plan for next week on Peacock?
2: Oh, boy, we're going to have so much content, man. I mean, we've got already got Chris Sims has been doing his um, projections and his evaluations of guys at different positions. You can check those out on YouTube as well as on Peacock and NBCSports.com. And, yeah, we will have PFT live uh, in the mornings at streams at 7 a.m. on Peacock and then PFT PM at 2 o'clock in the afternoon um, on Peacock as well. So I do Wednesdays and Fridays. I'll be there this week and next week.
0: Where will Florio be, the most important part? Is he poolside somewhere?
2: No, well, Florio's not going to be at the track. What? No way. Why is he pulling a Kuiper? What's going on here? All the big names <laughs> are coming. <laughs> I, can, I can assure you that Mike no, Florio is very vaccinated, yes, but he yes. just doesn't like leaving his house.
0: <laughs> Miles, thank you.
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take
0: care. Uh, coming up, we check in with Sam Paniadovich. We'll get some draft props and also what to be doing these next couple of days in terms of
1: series bets around the NBA. Cofield and Company will be back in midnight here on ESPN Las Vegas.
3: <laughs> You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company.
0: I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when i in Las Vegas, you can sit in the sun and camp. I get my color from a sunray lamp when I'm in Las Vegas. out of it's coming up in less than 10 minutes right here on Cofield and Company. Fat Pack, it's National Garlic Day today. I mean, who doesn't love garlic? Come on now.
3: Yeah. I mean, everybody should be paying homage on this day. I mean... You, who, I mean, you, you have to have garlic, I think, in, in just about everything except maybe cereal. Have
0: you tried it in cereal?
3: No. But, I mean, I, I don't think that it probably would agree with milk. But, I, I mean, I can't think of a – what don't you put garlic on? I mean, the other day for Easter, Steve, we, we grilled up some T-bones. I grilled up seven T-bones, and at the back of the grill in three different balls of foil – I had garlic bulbs, chopped off the top, drizzled it in olive oil, uh, twisted a little fresh cracked uh, pink Himalayan salt, closed up the foil, just let it sit there and boil in, in olive oil, and then when the steaks were done, you pull it off, you open the foil, and the the skin separates and you just kind of poke the the clove and it comes out you can squeeze it and it just spreads across the steak it's tremendous and a lot of people are you know they think oh then i'm gonna have garlic smell it's gonna taste when you roast it or grill it the odor sort of doesn't go away it doesn't stay on your breath it it, the, the that part goes away it's just the flavor and uh so i i made some sauce over the weekend and there's plenty of garlic in that so uh later tonight during the playoffs and me catching up with uh, winning time, I will be having some sauce loaded with garlic and some fresh garlic bread.
0: Beautiful. Someone yeah. bring the breath mints.
3: I won't need them because I, I don't care.
0: I don't. I won't need them because I don't care. Would you put garlic on Mexican pizza? Sure, pizza right?
3: Sprinkle a little garlic. Mexican pizza yes. though. You would? Yes. Well, garlic's not used in—are you telling me garlic's not used in Spanish food, Mexican food, Latin food? It's not used? Cumin is a big thing. Chili powder, sure, but they use garlic. Saffron, cilantro, but you use garlic. Are you buying into uh,
0: Taco Bell's new bit here where they get rid of items and then bring them back?
3: Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, this one— I haven't been to Taco Bell. I don't know. It's been years since I've been to, well, you know, fast food places for me are somewhat taboo. There are places I'll entertain. But Taco Bell, um, I haven't been to in a long time and not, nothing against Taco Bell. It's just, you know, I cook so much at home and meal prep. But right. that Mexican pizza, that was one of my favorite items. When I saw that come up, ho oh my. What about you? Do you like the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell? I don't think I've ever had it. Trust me, When when it what's the return date? I can't remember.
0: I don't know, but I will try it, just for you.
3: You have to. It's a must.
0: Believe me, you're not going to twist my arms. <laughs> it's not going to take much twisting to get me to try some fast food. The
3: only thing I'm going to have to twist your arm is 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 at some point is to get to Roma Deli.
0: I know, we have to do that.
3: Which, you know what they have there? Lots of garlic. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Slices one deep left center
0: field, Freddie Freeman hits his first home run as a Dodger in his first at bat against the Braves.
1: Trey Turner mentioned it before the game. He goes, that was smart of you to uh, wait nine games to hit your first home run against your former team. Just a special day, you know, being able to uh, see all my former teammates and staff, uh, seeing Alex Topless before the game. Just a, a, a very good day for the Freeman family. Field and Company's eye on sports betting Betting. with Sammy P. P.
0: Freddie Freeman with the home run. Uh, Looking up yesterday at uh, ESPN's bottom line. I don't even know what show was on, but I remember looking up around 5 o'clock. And uh, best bet suggestions were plus 525 for Freeman to hit a home run in the game yesterday. They also recommended the Devils in an upset at plus 285. Uh, Didn't play either one of those and actually played the Knights. Thank you, VGK. We'll get to more of the night's collapse in our (laughs) 5 o'clock hour. Sam Peniotovic is with us, Nesson and Fox Sports. What's up, Sam?
1: It took me four years, boys. I think I found the worst ever sports book boost today.
0: Uh Uh-oh. And you've been tracking these things, and there's a lot of bad ones.
1: This one is unbelievable. So MGM and all these books do this. What they do is when you download their app and you sign up for the account – What you don't realize is you sign up without signing up for push notifications and you have to actually turn these off. So BetMGM today sends out a push to all their players. Can the Maple Leafs make it four in a row tonight? Question mark. Hmm. The Leafs to win and Austin Matthews to score a hat trick is plus 725. This should be 35 to 1. 40 to 1 maybe. Now – the Leafs are a huge favorite. They're minus 450. But Austin Matthews, even though he's one of the best players in hockey, he's still 30 to 1 or 35 to 1 to get a hat trick. But BetMGM will give you plus 725 for a hat trick and win.
0: Beware. Beware. Uh you touted Vladdy as a home run champion. I think you got what 10 or 11 to 1 and the numbers already moved.
1: Yeah, it's like three to one at some books. I saw Superbook was quick to drop that bad boy down to plus 350. This is after he hit three last Wednesday. I felt good about it. And look, it doesn't mean he's going to win. But my point in making that bet was that he's going to be in the conversation by July, August, and hopefully into September. So Superbook was hanging 10 to one. Yeah, we talked about it on your show a couple days before opening day. I'm like, that number, it's, it's just not right. Now, he could get hurt. He could go cold. All these things can happen. It's a long baseball season. We're not even two full weeks in yet. But, man, he's a threat every time he steps up to the plate, isn't he?
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, his, his play last week with an injured wrist, it didn't look injured, did it? At all.
1: I found myself, honestly, like when I looked at the baseball markets this year, and you know me, Steve. We've been doing this for years now on your program. I don't really like favorites all that much but I do like the right favorite at a plus price. I took Vladdy to lead the league in homers 10 to one. He was the favorite, but he's also 10 to one. I've got the blue Jays to win the East at about two to one. And I I've seen 10 Dodger games. Now good chunks of 10 Dodger games. They are really good. And, you know, I felt like a square before the season taking them at five to one to win the world series, buddy, they're going to win a hundred games. If not more, they're probably going to be the one in the NL. They'll have home field. Going into the playoffs, they're going to be, you know, three to one or less to win the World Series. So this was a weird year where I liked the White Sox to win the division, the Blue Jays to win the division, Vladdy to hit the most homers, and the Dodgers to win the World Series, but I like my numbers on all four of those bets. So I, I found myself a little squary, I guess, this year, but I don't care. Let's talk a little NBA. What do we do with Golden State
0: and the Nuggets? We just stay away at this point with the price on the series?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you've got to. And I think it's a lesson that, you know, a lot of people are learning as we get deeper into this sports betting space where it's legal across the country. You know, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine last week. He's like, I don't want to lay 200 on the Warriors. I said, why not? Mm -hmm. He said, I don't like laying 200. And then I said, well, it's funny you bring that up because – Professional bettors have no issue laying a big favorite in the NBA yeah. especially with a series. It's yeah. a best of 7. You know, it's not a one-off. It's not the NFL or, you know, something like that where, you know, a team could have a bad game and then they can't really come over the top because it's only one game. But Golden State, I thought Golden State should have been minus 300 to win the series when it opened. And right now the Golden State Warriors to win that series are minus 2,000. So I texted my buddy back and go, good thing you didn't lay two hundred, because now you gotta lay two (laughs) thousand. You know? And and it was very similar to the price on the bucks. You were off last week, I think it was Hill and Willie, and and we were talking about Milwaukee, and I'm like, guys, I I know it it opened six here and it got to seven and now some books have it at eight. I I think you shouldn't make the series price like minus two thousand. And you look up right now the Bucs with a one-nothing series later, minus three thousand to win the series, and they're going to win the series. So when you see minus 2, three, 400 in the NBA, especially in the first round, it seems expensive, but after a game or two, it's cheap. I mean, imagine if you had Warriors two hundred right now. Now you gotta lay two thousand. So it's it's not out of the ordinary when a professional better will lay a big favorite if they need the number or they expect the number to be bigger.
3: Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. We're having this conversation. I was speaking to one of my writers that works for us uh, with my media company that provides some sports betting content. And he was, we were talking about tomorrow's games and he made mention about the bucks. He said, Hey, if you want to take some time to look at, if you agree, because it's such a big number, I was like, are you kidding me? In the opening round, when the books are making the home team a double-digit favorite, I would much rather lay that in games than these, than the guessing at the two, three, four-point spread. Those are the ones where there's bigger question marks, especially a small road favorite like Philly to Toronto, because the oddsmakers are basically telling you if 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 a te- if a home team in the opening round and those first two games are laying double digits, more times than not they're going to get that they're going to get the cover for you. Don't be scared to lay the double digits.
1: I agree with that. I do like the Bucks tomorrow. Um, they're laying, they open nine. I think they got bet out to 10, 10 and a half already. But I really, you know, I, I think it's this simple. I, the Bulls, if they're lucky, win a game. So I pulled up the exact series result at the Superbook now. And the Bucs in four is plus 150. The Bucks in five is plus 170. I mean, if you bet 100 on each, that's going to win one of those is going to win so you either win 50 or you win 70 and if you bet more you're going to win more but chicago's not winning two games so you know you're not going to lay three thousand on the series price but i think the longer in the tooth we get the more markets and the more things we can bet on this is like a really cool market you know you watch the first game or maybe you watch the first two games of a series and now you can bet team x to win in five six or seven games Another series I think is fascinating is the one in my backyard here. It's Boston and Brooklyn. And as we remember, DraftKings opened up the Nets minus 140 to win the series. And it was like, who the hell made that line? Because Sherman opened up Celtics minus 150. Well, the Celtics win by a point at the buzzer. And guess what? The Celtics have gone from minus 150 to minus 250. So now I can take the Brooklyn Nets at 2-1. to one to win the series. I think they win game two. I'm not saying the Celtics are going to lose the series, but when you're diving inside these prices inside a series, I didn't like Brooklyn at plus 120 plus 130, but damn, they're interesting at two to one. And then guess what? If they win game two, then Brooklyn is the favorite because now they've got home court and Brooklyn's probably minus 130 going back to Brooklyn tied one to one. So then You could take the Nets 2-1 to right now and take the Celtics at plus 110, and you got plus money on both sides. That's why I love the playoffs because there are so many different ways to bet it once the series starts.
3: Another series of interest, Philly and Toronto. Now, we talked about this a lot on the show in terms of Toronto having the advantage because of when Philly goes there. uh, Philly Philly obviously missing – They'll be missing Tywin because he can't travel because of the vaccination status. But Philly goes up 2 That same writer I was talking to earlier about the Bucks, I told him, I said, around." Right. He, he, he liked Philly. I said, that could be a trap play. People getting sucked in thinking Toronto's done. Go look and see how many times Toronto has lost back-to-back games on the road and what they've done the immediate time back home. Three times this season, they've come home and they've won that next home game. They're 3-0. Sammy P, is Toronto done or are they going to make a run here and and, and make this a series?
1: That third game is always the toughest game for the team that goes on the road, especially when it's yep. 2 nothing. I, I agree yep. with you. And you look at the market. I mean, Philly opened two, and I'm seeing a couple offshore books down to one. So you're seeing some respected money on Toronto. So they agree with your logic that the Raptors are in a pretty good spot. Um, I. I just don't think that the Raptors are all that good, to be honest with you. I mean, they could win game three, of course. I mean, the line tells you that it's a coin flip game. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I I could bet the Raptors, but they could also lose by 15. You know, they don't have anybody they could guard Embiid. And, and Harden looks pretty damn good. Uh, we know the Sixers are going to win the series. Um, and that price – I don't have the series price. Let me pull that up real quick. Sixers to win the series are minus 1600 I just – I don't know like I I it, I agree it's either Raptors or pass but I probably passed before I took the point and a half
0: are we betting the USFL <laughs> oh
1: if you if you bet every under you're rich right now <laughs> uh th- those numbers open too I mean remember they opened up in the low 50s um the opening numbers four and0 to the under and there were some some damn rock fights you know 17 to 12. 17-3, to 23-17. The first game is the only one that went over the closing number, 28-24. But I'll tell you what, these teams have horrendous special teams <laughs> games. I, I was watching, I had a buddy who had a lot of money. He had like $5,000 on the over. I think it was in the breakers and the stars. It finished 23-17. He was over 42. Oh. Guys, they missed like five field goals. And it's, oh it's not like these are 50-yard field goals. These are 32 yards, 35 yards. I mean, a high school kicker could make these kicks. The kickers are so bad in this league. And when you really don't have that much room for error because the quarterback play isn't great, you need the kicker to bail you out. He needed one field goal, and they missed five. So that's something to pay attention to. And the market came lower. I mean these totals now in week two thirty seven and a half thirty nine and a half forty one and a half forty one and a half the quarterback play is not good i eventually those numbers are going to get too low and the games will go over but whoo it's you need to be some kind of crazy to be betting over on the u s f l man
0: early baseball betting uh profitable teams rockies and The as are expected to be less than stellar after trading away some of their best players and uh A bad team has lost people a lot of money in the Reds, and I think a a little bit overrated. The Phillies have actually taken a freaking – Philly betters have taken a beating.
1: Yeah, the worst three teams for your money right now. Cincinnati, you're down six units if you bet them every game. Atlanta is six units as well. And then Philadelphia, to your point, minus 5.3. The team that's really been – A bad favorite, though. I guess, well, Atlanta's been favored in a lot of games. The Tampa Bay Rays, um, they're 5-6, and okay? So you'd think, oh, well, they're 5 wins, 6 losses. That's not that bad. They're down 4.5 units because when they lose, they're dealing big prices. They have lost this year at minus 210, minus 180, and minus 220. So those – Juicy favorites add up. I'm telling you, you have to find the underdog-type team that can win like 75, 80 games. And and I'll tell you the team that leaps off the page that could be a moneymaker all season long and it won't get too over-adjusted, the Chicago Cubs. I think that's a team that is better than the market thought. They don't have a lot of power, but they have contact hitters that hit singles and doubles. They walk. It's a very patient offense. And Chicago right now is six and four, but they're up 3.4 units because when Chicago wins, you're getting the plus money. Plus 130, they win. Plus 115, plus 120, plus 135. You want to find a team that's perennially an underdog that's going to go three and three on a given week, but you're going to make money because you're getting plus money. You don't want to be laying the Yankees minus 160, 170. They go three and three, you're going to lose. So finding that. That 500 baseball team that's disrespected in the market, like the Rockies right now and the Chicago Cubs, I have a feeling those two teams are going to be money makers at the end of the season.
0: Sam, I got like 20 seconds left. Tell people what you're doing with Twitter Spaces.
1: Well, uh, not to have your audience all follow me to my space here in four minutes, but yeah, yeah, I'm doing uh, doing Twitter Spaces every Tuesday at eight o'clock for about an hour. Just nice, another way to help people win. There you go. Betting talk. And you can actually
0: comment on the show, Twitter Spaces, with Sammy P. So where do we find it? At SP Shoot and also at Chicken X Center?
1: Yeah, you just go to the Twitter page, and uh, I'm actually going to go on in about three minutes here. Don't touch that dial, though, damn it. Don't you change COVID. You can listen to both. You can listen to both. It's also recorded. You can go back and listen after.
0: There you go. Look at him trying to save our audience. Thanks, Sam. Peace. Big 5 at 5 on the way. we got the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get back into um, little finger pointing going on here. With VGK, whose fault was last night? Whose fault has this uh, season been as the Knights right now are on the outside looking in, and it looks like a real long shot for VGK to make the playoffs.